Wonderful. Well, good morning, good morning, morning. Welcome to Coffee and Devotions. This is where every day you and I, we get together. We have a little bit of coffee. We get into God's Word and we grow in our love for the Lord together. And this year, 2022, Lord willing, we'll make it from the book of Acts to the book of Philemon. Now, yesterday I messed up when I was talking to Bubba. And so I just need to be uh, make a public acknowledgement here. Obviously, I needed a little bit more coffee. There's no place called Philippia. Philippi. Uh, so Nathan messed up with uh, Philemon's and I messed up with Philippia. Uh, so thank God he's not done with all of us. Let's go ahead and have some coffee. We'll pray and we'll get into God's word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we pray that you would do heart surgery this morning, that you would work in our hearts to transform us, that we might hear and see beautiful things, and that it would change us from the inside out. Father, we need your spirit to work in us. We pray that you would be with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. We are at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and we'll begin at verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has, been, it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are more, much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness and always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain." But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Well, we need to ask ourselves, A, what is this about? B, what's the best verse to summarize this? And C, what are we called to do? How do we we actually live these things out? How does it apply to our lives? Well, let's talk about this first section, verses 12. Uh, Let's see, verse 12 through 14 is first. And this section is Paul saying, hey, you know what? 
I'm in chains for the gospel. But you know what's happened? As I'm in chains for the gospel, and as I've continued to preach the gospel, something amazing's happened. Everyone knows I'm in chains for Christ. And so Paul has boldness, even as he's bound with chains, to tell everyone around him the gospel. So much so that even some of the palace guards, even some of the people who are watching over Paul are being evangelized. And so he's saying, this is a great, this is, this is an unexpected fruit, right? Even as he's in chains for the gospel, he's being used to spread the gospel. And so it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And what's the effect of this? As other Christians see Paul in chains, he says that in verse 14, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. As other Christians see Paul in chains telling the gospel, the rest of them are excited to go and share the gospel. They're even more bold. They become not ashamed of the gospel because they know it's the power of God unto salvation. And so they are emboldened to go and to preach and to tell others about Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing how sometimes we bristle and we, we fight and we push back against affliction in our lives? We're so often scared to evangelize. And yet, time and time again, as you read through the martyrs, what happens is that as Christians are faithful in evangelizing, even in the midst of persecution and tribulation, more people are encouraged in their faith. Satan keeps falling into this trap. He thinks he can crush this, the kingdom of God. He thinks he can choke out the seed. He thinks he can, can somehow you know, make it disappear. But every time there's a heavy hand, well, it's like Tertullian said. He was a church father in the 400 ADs in the North Africa. And, and he said, the blood of the saints is a seed of the church. Now, as, as the Christians, con- or the blood of the martyrs, as the Christians continue to suffer and are persecuted, interestingly, more people are willing to lean in and listen. And other Christians are emboldened in their faith. Because the light can't be snuffed out. But he goes on here in verses 15, uh, 15 down to 18, and he talks about people who are emboldened in a different way. Right? People are going out and sharing the gospel, and that's great. No, not all of them are doing it from pure motives. Right? He, he says that some preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. Right? He says there's, there's two different types of people here, right? Some who are just preaching Christ because they want to make me jealous, <laughs> because they want to uh, they want to make me envious, they want to add grief to me. And there's others who are doing it because they love Jesus. And you know what Paul says? I don't care. <laughs> he says, praise God, because the message doesn't depend on the messenger. And so he says, he says, that's fine. As long as Christ is being preached everywhere. He says, let them keep going. <laughs> 
I don't care what they think about me as long as they're preaching Christ. I'm glad that they're going. If my chains, if my suffering has encouraged people to go and to preach Christ, praise God for it. When we move to this next part, verses 19 through 26, and this is really Paul having a dialogue with himself and with the people that he's writing to about what he's going to do. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. He says the Holy Spirit is working through your your prayers, and the Holy Spirit has come to me by Jesus Christ. And whether I live or whether I die, it's going to be to his glory. And then he says a profound statement that ought to give us a lot of hope. Verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ. Brings to mind what he said in Galatians 2.20, For it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul's life was about being filled with Christ, abiding in Christ, bearing fruits of righteousness and repentance in Christ. And so he's saying, if I live, that's great. I get to suffer for Christ. I get to tell people of Jesus Christ. I get to walk in the spirit of Jesus Christ. But if I die, I get to go be with Christ. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What could possibly, what could possibly make Paul think that dying could even somehow be a good thing because he knows that he's going to be with Jesus forever. Because he knows that when he dies, he'll be the sinful flesh gone. Glorification will come. I remember a dear sweet lady in our congregation who's now with the Lord. She just died a few weeks ago. I just did her funeral a few weeks ago. And uh, Miss Gloria used to say, when we would talk about this passage, she'd say, I don't know why God has me here. I don't know what work he still has for me to do. I have everything I need, but I wish he'd take me home. <laughs> right? This is this reality that for the Christian, the grave isn't the end of the story. And so Paul wrestles in his heart, you know, he says, he says, I'm torn. Right, because if I go to if I go to be with Christ, that's awesome. In the most profound and deepest way the word awesome can be used. He'll stand in awe for the rest of his life, for all eternity, at the throne of glory, worshiping the Lamb who was slain, casting down his crown at his feet, singing with a with the chorus of saints and angels. But if he lives he can continue to care for his brothers and sisters in Christ. 
says, I don't, I don't know which is better. And I want to go be with the Lord. And this is a very real thing for Paul. He's in chains, right? This could happen. But he says, I think it's probably necessary that I'm, I'm here with you all. And so he thinks maybe this is what the Lord's going to do. Maybe he'll be left here on the earth to care for Jesus' church and to strengthen the churches. Well, we need to ask ourselves, what, what's the best verses to underline here, right, in, in these different sections? Well, uh, in my Bible, I would underline verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I think that's what I would underline. Uh, but I'd be tempted to underline 14, but I think 14 is getting at verse 12. Um, and then verse 15 through 18, I would probably underline verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, and yes, will rejoice. See, in every way, no matter what the pretense, he's rejoicing that Christ is preached. Uh, and then in verses 19 through 26, uh, because it's one that is so powerful to keep at the forefront of my mind, I have verse 21 underlined. But if I was to have to get at the one that's actually kind of getting at the heart of the passage about what this is about as a whole, it'd probably be verse 20 about him struggling whether uh, he would rather live or go to be with Christ. Last see calling. What are we called to do? Have you ever been afraid to tell some about the gospel before? Have you ever been afraid to speak up for the Lord's law? Have you ever seemed to have a bit of trepidation? As you know, you should speak in this scenario, in this environment about Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for you this morning that you would still do it. Because you see, as we live out our faith and even when trials and tribulation and persecution comes, we shouldn't be surprised by that. <laughs> right? Jesus tells us that if they hated our master, they'll hate us also. Jesus told us that trials and tribulations would come. The question is, do you have deep roots? Are you planted in the good soil? Right? Don't be scandalized about persecution. It'll happen. But here's the amazing thing of how the Spirit works. As you have these divine appointments that he brings into your life to speak about Jesus Christ with others, and if persecution comes, if tribulation comes, those around you will be encouraged. Those Christians around you will be emboldened as they see you suffer. We don't like suffering. <laughs> it's natural for us to want to turn away from it. And yet, sometimes the afflictions that God brings to press upon our lives, the situations that God bring, puts us in, are specifically there to deepen our faith, 
and to expand others. God uses pressure cookers. <laughs> God, I, I'm convinced that God loves to put pressure on his people. Not for ruining them or hurting them, but for building you up. I also want to call you to truly live out verse 21. Is the root of your heart that to live is Christ and to die is gain? Is Jesus Christ so precious to you? Is the gospel so sweet to you? That you desire Jesus Christ? That you want to bear fruits in keeping with faith in Jesus Christ? Do you love your wife? the way Christ would have you love your wife? Do you love your husband the way Christ would have you love your husband? Do you treat one another as Jesus Christ would tell you to love your neighbor? Do you love God? Do you love your neighbor? This is what it means to be filled with Christ. Do you have a God in transvision of all things? And here's the kicker. Do you love God so much that he's more than your very life? That even if you should die, you might know that the one who has redeemed you body and soul by the precious blood of Jesus Christ will love you for all eternity, will wipe away every tear that has come to your eye, and will bring you into his courtyards with singing forever. Let's pray. Father, I plead with you that you would make us a courageous people, not afraid of evangelism, not afraid of mission, not afraid of telling others of the good news of Jesus Christ, but Father, I plead with you that you might open our mouths, that we might not be ashamed but would have courage even in the face of possible persecution. But God, we pray that we would be persecuted not because of our stupidity or our our harsh attitudes, but Lord, because we've told others about Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would please let us love you more. We can't drum this up in ourselves, but we need your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would so impress on us your majesty. So impress on us your love for us that we might live our lives for your glory and we might desire to glorify you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you today. May you walk in the joy and peace of Jesus Christ and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message from God's Word for You a ministry of Sharon R.P. Church in rural southeast Iowa. We pray that the message would be used by God to transform your faith in your life this week. If you'd like to get more information about us, feel free to go to the website, SharonRPC.org. We'd love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship time is 10 a.m. every Sunday at 25204 160th Avenue, Morning Sun, Iowa, 52640. May God richly bless you this week.